0: If you have your Bibles, First Timothy, chapter 2, verse 8, I desire therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting, in like manner also that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or gold pearls or costly clothing, but which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. Now, Second Timothy 3, verse 3. No, that's not correct. Excuse me, that's not correct. Uh, Titus, Titus 2 and 5, that's what I want to go through. Titus 2 and 5. Let's read Titus 2, 3, 4, and 5. It says, The older women likewise that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Now, If you have had any kind of um, insight or any kind of um, observation of our society in fact uh, most of the great religious leaders right now are saying that the danger to the church is the secularization of the church and the danger to the world is the secularization of the church in other words The things that are normal in the world have crept so much into the church that the church no longer is identified like the church. It's now just become kind of an extension of the world. And people that are in the church or that are claiming to be faith people or religious people do not necessarily practice their faith. They might attend services and go through the motions, but they don't practice it. And what that means is that they have not allowed it to actually change the the uh, spirit and the demeanor of who they are. Now, one of the things that has been secularized is motherhood. In fact, the definition of motherhood is so way out there that uh, it's probably unrecognizable. Uh, when... Um, Motherhood was described by um, Torkville when he came here. He was the French brother that came here and, and, and just visited America to try and see what was so good about it. He, he said this about women. He said, As for myself, I do not hesitate to avoid that although the women of the United States are confined to a narrow circle of the domestic life and their situation is extremely dependent, I have nowhere seen women occupy a loftier position. And if I were asked, now that I am drawing to the close of my work, in which I have spoken of so many important things done by those in America, to what is the prosperity of America? Where does their strength come from? What might I attribute it all to? I would say it is to the superiority of their women. And here's a man who says that he sees women confined to domestic duties. He sees them being dependent, not independent, but dependent. Yet he says that they are superior women. I believe that the reason he found women in America superior was because at that day and at that time women were treated differently than they are today. You know, the danger of the secularization of motherhood is that now it is not very unusual for us to think of women who have no children. It's not a big deal anymore. I mean, if a woman doesn't have a child or doesn't want a child, let me even go a step further. Maybe a woman doesn't want a child. She just doesn't even want any children. We don't think of that as anything big. It's not a big deal. That's okay. That's that's. You know, that's just an acceptable thing. What about a woman that just simply says, I don't want to be married? I don't want a family life. Now, from one perspective, she's free, free from that domesticity and free from that interdependence, and she has become an independent woman. But could we describe that as a mother or as a woman? From a biblical term? I don't think so. The mothers today... <clears throat> I'm going to say mothers because <clears throat> even though a woman may choose to have an abortion, from God's perspective, she's a mother. Even though she didn't have that child. Because God put that child in her. Did you know that that's that's the thing that makes them different? Sister Wendy... She's different from Brother Larry because Larry cannot bring forth life into this world. He can participate in it. He can have a part in it, but he cannot carry that baby in his womb. He don't have one. And he can't birth it. In fact, if you've ever been in the birthing womb, uh, room, you will, you will find a woman has a lot of courage. (laughs) You, you, you'll see they have an awful lot of courage, much more courage than some men I know. In fact, that gave me a much greater esteem for my wife than anything else could have, is to see what my wife was able to endure. Now, that's unique about a woman. Man can't do that because God didn't make us that way. We don't even have the the, the, the plumbing for it. You know, we just can't do that. But what does it say about a woman that God has given her the... the, 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 uh, the uh, creative ability to bring forth life that will be a future generation, a future blessing to this world, and that woman says, I don't want this child, and she goes and kills it. And we know that there's been at least 40 million, if not more, that have been killed. And where were they killed? In their mother's womb. Now, Jack Hayford wrote a book a few years ago, which is called I'll Hold You in Heaven because he ran into a lot of women who either by miscarriage had lost babies or by abortion had, had uh, taken their lives and then came to the realization that was wrong. And they couldn't imagine. I remember Jack Harper saying, one woman said, I don't know if I want to go to heaven. I mean, I don't want to go to hell, but I don't know if I want to go to heaven. And he said, why? She said, because i got three children that I don't know what I'm going to say to What am I going to tell those three children? That I killed them because I didn't want them? And he said, no, what you'll do, because now you have the love of Jesus in your heart, is you'll run up there and you'll put your arms around there and say, I'm sorry I didn't get to hug you down there, but I get to hug you here. I get to tell you I love you here. And I'm sorry I didn't love you down there. You see, some women have bought this lie that the world has tried to put on us that womanhood and motherhood is wrong or that it's bad or that it somehow brings a curse on us. In fact, the Scripture actually says that having children is a blessing. And yet, hasn't it flip-flopped in America where that now we look at having children as a curse? And, and sometimes we even look at it and say, my goodness, uh, I don't know if I can have but maybe one or two. I just can't have any more. It just would be unbearable. I don't say any of these things to criticize anybody. I don't want to be make anybody feel guilty or put anybody down. I just want us to understand that our definitions and our perspective of what a woman and a mother is has changed so dramatically that finding it in Scripture is difficult, if not hard. In fact... I'm living, and you are too, in a generation where more more women have left the home and gone to work than are staying home and taking care of the children. This is the generation right now where more are going than staying. We crossed that divide just a few years ago. What are they leaving? They're leaving the ability to experience the the growth of that child which no one else no one else can nurture no one else can give that child but mom they're leaving the family life they're leaving the results of the future generations in somebody else's hands now some of you are young enough to not really know about communism but I was brought up when communism was was a bad thing we hated it we didn't want any part of it Do you know that America has now accepted the Communist Manifesto which said that mothers needed to be freed from the the domestic life and that we needed to educate these children from the moment of their birth by the state? That the state needed to teach them so that they could remove from them all these foolish ideas about God and religion and family? And now we have actually come to America where we have accepted some of that same dogma that they were teaching. And even though we don't call it communism, we are living out that manifesto. Lenin said in 1914, the way to destroy the church is to destroy the family. That's what Lenin said in 1914. Is it or is it not true that we already see the the decay and the rot of the family right here in America already. And whether Lenin had anything to do with it or not, he surely must have sowed some of the seeds. In fact, Lenin said that the victory of communism will be when the family is no more like it was in times past, but it has been redefined, then communism will have won. That's what Lenin said, when the family has been redefined. Haven't anybody heard those terms? <laughs> the family being redefined? It's scary to me when I read it. It's scary that we're actually living some of this out and may not even know it or may not even be aware of it. Do you know when the, fa- the colony that founded Jamestown, it failed, right? How many, how many remembers your history that Jamestown failed? You remember that? <laughs> Plymouth, with the pilgrims, succeeded. To a degree it succeeded. They they, 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 they suffered. They had a lot of, of uh, problems, but they made it through the year. And they were able to to get more settlers and continue the colony. Jamestown failed. Do you know what the two differences were? There were no families in Jamestown. They were all bachelors. Does anybody have any idea what will happen when bachelors are running everything? I mean, does anybody have any idea? No wonder they didn't have any crops. Huh? No, No wonder they didn't have any food put up for the winter. No wonder they were starving to death in Jamestown. There were no women. I pray that women will not despise themselves. I pray that they will not despise their wounds. I pray they will not despise being a mother. I pray they will not despise children. I pray they will not despise sacrifice. I got this piece of, or this newspaper, and I know I'm going to probably scare some people, so I'm I'm not trying to do this. But I know what the idea of having 14 children does to women nowadays. But when the newspaper tried to figure out how, how can we honor mothers for 2008, they put Sister Presswood on here who has 14 children. And I I know, you know, in our society, we cannot even imagine anybody having 14 children. We kind of look at that as a Guinness Book of World Record thing. My grandma had 13. In my grandma's day, this wouldn't have been unusual. And it wouldn't have been weird. But now, we put it on the newspaper because she's one of a kind. Now, again, I'm not saying we all have to have 14 kids. But I do believe that we need to ask ourselves, what am I teaching my children? What am I here for if it is not to bring forth some uh, godly heritage? And what does that mean? What does my godly heritage involve? And for each person and each husband and wife, they should pray about it and decide. Because if you do not leave a godly heritage here... Sister Nikki, I I, I think I've heard you say you were going to have another one, but I'm, I'm not talking about you and I'm not trying to embarrass you. I'm just using an example. If Clara Ann was all you had... okay. If that was you know, God's will, if that was the way it worked out, if Clara Ann was all you had, you didn't even keep time with the population. When you and Will pass away, in your place you only left one. You didn't increase. What did God tell Adam and Eve? Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And so, if we only have one, we don't even increase. We're actually stepping back. So, at the very least, we need to ask the Lord, you know, what is it that you want me to do to participate in the increasing of this earth? Now, you might say, well, there's already too many kids on the earth. Well, look, I can look at it from the perspective, you know, in numbers, yes. Yes. <clears throat> one John the Baptist that will shake his world will have a greater legacy than a thousand kids that hate God. And so you see, if thank God if all she does is raise Clara Anne to serve the Lord and love Him with all of her heart. She's done more than some people in this world, even in our own community, that don't even take their children to church at all. That don't teach their children anything about the Lord. And if you haven't met any of these children, well, you know I can take you to some places where you can meet some of these kids that don't even... They don't know nothing about God. I went into a restaurant last night and a kid came into the restaurant about Joshua's age. And on his t-shirt... You know, t-shirts... You can say what you will, but t-shirts really reflect who you are to me. It said, I like to hit people. Y'all are laughing. I was disgusted. You don't want to hit people. I was taught you don't hit people. You know, Especially not a child. A child don't hit people. But now we're living in a time when you, kids hit their moms and dads all the time. Could I live long enough to see when it becomes against the law for you to hit your mom and dad? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's against the law for you to hit your kid now in some places. So maybe we'll live long enough to where it comes around where you can't hit mom and dad no more. We'll have a, a, a run-on hitting mom and dad or something. Me and John were talking the other day. I never would even have thought to hit my dad. It just wouldn't happen. In fact, if, if I'd have even thought about it, I'd have wished I hadn't let that thought come through my mind. Sharon Sharon's laughing with me, guys, now. Because she remembers those days. My dad slapped me one time. I'm not saying you should do this. I'm not. Def- I'm not defending this. This is. This was wrong. But my dad slapped me one time, and knocked me on the ground, and I stayed there till he told me I could get back up. You can call it fear. You can call it respect. It don't matter. What I am saying about this is that children today do not have any respect or fear for their parents at all. Ethan down there in Florida. I love I love him and I love my my son. But Ethan was playing Johnny Cash. And he was just singing. And all of us were singing with him. But he didn't like it. He told everybody, Stop singing, I'm singing. So everybody stopped singing. I kept singing. He turned around and looked at me and said, No, I said, you don't tell me what to do, son. I'll sing with you if I choose. I'm your grandfather, not your son. Don't tell grandpa no. He chose not to sing. That's fine. It says in, in Psalms one twenty seven three. If you're writing these scriptures down for later, it says children are the blessing, and the fruit of the of the womb is his reward. God rewards people with children. Hannah wanted a child so bad that she wept before the Lord. If you're created with the ability to have children and you don't have children, I would think if that, if I was a woman, I would think, you know, I can't be fulfilled until I can at least do what I was created to do. And if, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'll give you Lindsay's phone number. You can call her. Lindsay has lost, I think, seven babies. They've all miscarried, and she can't even talk about it hardly without crying. But there's something in there eating at her and I've tried to encourage her and I've tried to minister to her, but she says, there's something wrong with me. I can't even have a child. There's something wrong with me. And see, because she understands she was uniquely made and yet she can't even fulfill that uniqueness and bring forth a a baby. So to a degree, the Scriptures... Are saying that when you have a child, God is saying to you, I, "I'm pleased with you. I'm rewarding you. I'm giving you a child." Hannah prayed and cried to God. Now, how many in here would even do what Hannah did? You know, Hannah said, "Give me a child, and I'll give him to you." Would you? Would you be able to do that? Whew! I don't know. I remember when Terry Lee was born. I don't know if I could have took him to some strange man and just said, "Here, raise my son." Could you you give your baby away to somebody to raise? See, she knew, she knew that if I can bring forth this child and give him to God like I've promised, God will bless me even more. And He did. He blessed with many more children. And I don't know about you, but every time I read through that story, I am always encouraged because to me, Samuel is the greatest prophet He's a complete prophet. You know, you got some prophets that are always talking about the future. Some prophets that are talking about this part and this part. Some prophets that are crying all the time. But Samuel's a complete prophet. You know, I I can get into him. The other guys are kind of weird. Samuel's, you know, he he can hear God, but yet he's a normal down-to-earth guy. You know how I really know he was a down-to-earth guy? He messed up with his kids. You would have thought that of anyone, Samuel would have raised boys that would serve God all their life. He messed up somehow. He was human. He messed up. But I think he tried. How many of you heard or watched on TV, Barbara Walters jump? No, that's good. But realize that the, the secular world has heard it. You know, for all many years, Barbara Walters has been held up as such a wonderful model of women. What a woman can be! There was a time when she was on the news. You know, she she used to actually be a news person that told us the news, first woman reporter kind of thing. Barbara Walters. She could always get those interviews with people that wouldn't talk to anybody else. Why? Because she was a woman, maybe. You know, Castro will talk to Barbara, but he won't talk to anybody else. And now she comes out with her book now where she tells us of all of her affairs throughout all these years that she kept secret because she would have lost her job. But now it's okay to make it public because things have changed. And I'm sitting here watching this and and, and, and being really made sick by the fact that this woman is glorying in her sins. Saying, oh, it you know, it's okay for me to have an affair with a married man. Back in the uh, in the day, you know, you wouldn't have talked about it. But, but but, I feel like I'm old enough now and I'm accepted now and I'm responsible now and, and everybody has kind of let all that, that old fuddy-duddy stuff go by the wayside. So it's okay to tell you that I had an affair with a married man. I didn't respect her much in the past and I sure ain't got nothing for her now. And the only child she did have, she had that child without being married. And purposely did that. You know what that says? You know what that says? I'm an Amazon. I only want your seed. I don't want you. I don't want the man in my life. I don't want the man being around. I don't want the man leading me anywhere. I'll just take the seed, have the child, and you go on about your business. I don't even want your money. i I got enough money in my own self to take care of me. You see how that redefines women? And the role of women in our society? And sitting here in this church with this group of people, you might say, well, how in the world are we going to ever change that? You probably ain't. But you can change who you are. And that's the only people that that I can be concerned about is who you are. To change how you think about it. To let God give you a perspective from his word. Peter Marshall said these words. He was the chaplain of the United States Senate. He said, The challenge to modern women and he said this in nineteen fifty. The challenge to modern women Godly women, that is. The very phrase sounds strange to my ears. We never hear it anymore. He said this in 1950. We hear about every other kind of woman. Beautiful women. Smart women. Sophisticated women. Career women. Talented women. Divorced women. But godly women? We seldom hear godly men either, for that matter. But I believe women come nearer to fulfilling their God-given function in the home than anywhere else in America. It is more nobler, nobler to be a good wife than to be Miss America. It is a greater achievement to establish a home that produces godly children than to produce a novel filled with filth. It is far better in the realm of morals to be old-fashioned than to be modern. The world has had enough of who we know to hold their cocktails, who have lost all illusions of their, of their faith. The world has had enough women who know how smart they are and how they can be smart. We need women who are willing to just be women. Simple women. The world has had enough women who know how to be brilliant. It needs some who will be brave. The world has had enough women who are popular. We need some pure women. We need women and men too who would rather be right according to God than according to the contract of the world. I wrote this last night. I'm not a writer. Joshua, listen to me read this to you, son. I know you're into the Word, but I wrote this. I want you to hear what I'm going to say here, because I wrote this. And you can come up and tell me how bad it is later. But (laughs) Debbie, a young girl, gave her figure to see the sparkle in ten eyes. Debbie, the young woman who gave her time to see the face of babies experience something for the first time. Debbie, the mother who lived her life of dedication to God to see her future fulfilled in her children's commitment to their God. Debbie, the grandmother who gives her wisdom of years to to see the sparkle of in the eyes of the little ones again. Now, I I think you could probably write something similar about your mother or something similar about your wife. And even if you can't, maybe you're just not a writer, but any woman that has stepped up to the plate and tried to serve God needs to be honored. Any woman that has tried to, to be the wife of some of the sorry men that, that, that we are deserves to be honored. Any woman that will have children and put themselves through this, they're brave, courageous, And they should be respected. In fact, I remember years ago when I told Joe, I said, don't talk to your mother like that. You know why? I saw him come into the world. And I saw what his mother went through to do that. You can't talk to her like that. (laughs) We've all done things like that we've said things ugly things to our mothers we've done things that we shouldn't have done mothers day can't fix everything but maybe it can at least let our mothers know we're sorry we know we're not perfect we know we haven't done everything right but we do respect you and we thank you for the dedication. We thank you for the things you have done. You know, <clears throat> a few weeks ago, Debbie did it again. I've seen her do it a hundred times. One of the kids were over at the house and they asked, they said, Mom, whose pie is this in here? And she said, oh, that's for whoever wants it. And they ate the pie and kissed her and laughed. I said, when I went to the store at lunch, I bought both of us a pie. Why did you give that child? She said, I've always done that. Did you know your mama probably gave you a pie that was hers? Or a cake that was hers? Or or whatever. Might be something completely different. My mother used to give because I was like these guys. You know, maybe, maybe not exactly like these guys, but a little bit. I used to be a big eater when I was a teenager. And I, my, mother, my mother, didn't, she didn't put food on the, on the table and we put it on our plate because when my mother brought us a plate, that was all there was. And I can remember sometimes telling my mother, Mother, is there any more? And she said, Just a minute. Bring me some more. I didn't realize that she was always giving me her food. That's what mothers are like. They'll give you their last breath. Because, you see, they love you more than you love yourself.